Every single player who's come to Michigan State since 2007 has a ring on their finger. I'm going to be a coach here for a long time. It's not over. It's just starting. But just remember, pride comes before the fall. So you might as well just come out and say what you're, what's your feeling at some point in time, because you know I can only be diplomatic for so long. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Tuesday, September 10th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Real quick before we get going, thanks to all the new listeners who've been checking out the show over the last day, last week or so. Um, like I've been telling you guys, the numbers just keep growing and growing and keep getting a, a lot of positive feedback and it's been really fun to do this uh, and really enjoyable to watch it grow. You know, we haven't even been doing this for a year. This is month 11. Beginning of next month will be the one year anniversary one year anniversary, and it's really starting to uh, take off and we're growing a big community around it and I'm really uh, enjoying that. So thanks to all of you who are checking out the show. Um, on today's show, I want to give some thoughts, just kind of some general stuff, um, opinions on what Michigan State did Saturday night, why I think they were so successful and what of it is sustainable moving forward. Uh, I want to talk about kind of formations, personnel, play calling type things that all sort of mold together, that fit together. Uh, and you know, it's, it's like a cohesive thing. You kind of got to you know, they complement each other. So we'll talk about all of that here through the first two segments. Then segment three, Matt Hapner from The Only Colors will join. Uh, he's got a film uh, room piece up where he breaks down a handful of plays uh, over at The Only Colors, and we'll talk to him uh, about that as well. Uh, if you're listening to this right now, after you're done listening, you can read spartanswire.usatoday.com. Uh, I've got a big piece up they're talking about some of the stuff we'll talk about today, how Michigan State played to its strengths, formations, personnel, how the offense is still uh, evolving here in week two. Uh, I'll have some stuff up later today, depending on what time you listen to this, from Mark D'Antonio's press conference as well. That's at 11.30 in the morning. Um, so if you listen to this early, it'll be up later. If you're listening to this at 4 or 5 p.m., it's already up. Uh, and then tomorrow I will have my film room breakdown, go real in-depth on a bunch of stuff that Michigan State did well and some things they need to clean up on uh, before they take on Arizona State. So that's the plan here for today's show and some writing over at Spartans Wire, spartanswire.usatoday.com to check out those words. A uh, reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find this thing wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's not waste any more time. Let's talk about Saturday. Okay, so Michigan State, that was great, <laughs> right? I just like, I'm. what do I even say? Um, I I told you, um, no, I'm not going to, I said yesterday on the show with Sheehan, I'm not taking a victory lap, Got did not expect anything like that, thought, you know, it'd be nice if they scored a handful of touchdowns and just sort of built upon a foundation that they laid against Tulsa, and it wasn't the greatest, sexiest foundation, but they did lay a foundation in terms of, hey, here's what we're going to try to do, here's what we think 
might work. Here's how we're going to expand the playbook in the future. Here's the foundation. Let's sort of see where we're at um, and go from there. And they did, you know, I wanted to see them build upon that. I, you know, I talked last week about how uh, when they ran out of 11 personnel, out of spread formations, that they ran the ball really well. And how when they ran zone concepts, they ran the ball pretty well. Um, how they needed to increase the average depth of target. They weren't pressing the ball downfield nearly enough, too many throws uh, at or behind the line of scrimmage, not enough. You know, when you throw the ball at the line of scrimmage or behind it, sometimes you're setting up for something further down the field, similar to a play action type concept. And you need to cash in those chips at some point where you're sucking up a defense, you're sucking up a defense, and then you hit them over the top. And Michigan State just really didn't do that against Tulsa. So I wanted to see some of that, right? We were just laying foundation to build a house upon. And that's what I wanted to see. I wanted to see them build upon what they started against Tulsa. And I thought given that Western looked like they weren't going to be quite as good as Tulsa on defense, uh, there were some size advantages. You know, I thought Michigan State would be able to have more success. You know, another week, you make adjustments based off what went right, what went wrong. You get a little better at play calling, play a little bit weaker opponent, and you get three touchdown drives and a couple field goals, right? You get to 27 points. You get to 30 points, something around there. And that's kind of where I was at. And for them to just exceed that in every single way was really not what I uh, expected at all. Um, What I do want to talk about here for the rest of this segment is how Michigan State set themselves up for success in this game. And so I've got some numbers here. We talked last week and again, you know, how they've been switching to a spread formation, how they were abandoning going under center, more shotgun, less heavy personnel, more spread. Um, And they really just expanded upon what they did in the Tulsa game. And if you look at these numbers and compare them to the opener against Utah State, compare them to the opener against Bowling Green, which I did uh, in a piece for Spartans Wire last week, just to show, hey, here's how it's changed. What you get when you look at these numbers in comparison to each other is just, it's a staggering difference. It is a completely different offense. Uh, some of the things they're trying to do are, are the same, right? They're, they're sort of the same in terms of identity, but it's different how they're going about doing it. They want to run the ball effectively. They want to control the ball. They want to make you have to go down long fields on their defense in short amount of time, not have as many, you know, not have as many possessions, not have as much as the ball. And they want to push you and push you and push you. And then the end of the game comes around and you're spent. You've been trying, running into a brick wall on offense. Your defense has had to fight every single play is you're just a tough, tough team to play against. And they're doing that but they're going about it in a completely different way than they've ever, ever gone about it. So here are some numbers. Michigan State ran out of the shotgun 64% of the time against Western Michigan. That compares to 61% against Tulsa. So slight uptick there. They went under center 6.5% of the time 
against Western Michigan, against Tulsa, that was 11%, against Utah State, that was 48%, and against Bowling Green in 2017, that was 45%. So still, a complete departure in terms of that under center is almost gone from this offense. And when they went under center, they were in the triple I formation at the goal line. <laughs> like they were running power, baby. Here it comes. Try and stop it. And those plays worked. And that is a spot where power and that sort of heavy stuff makes sense. It works. It makes sense. It's appropriate in those scenarios. They went under center a couple other times. They ran a play action out of one, which is really a, a, was a great call. And so there's just... Still, a totally different offense looking at it functionally. They really are, are buying into the spread stuff. They ran from 11 personnel or more spread. So again, real quick, 11 personnel, one tight end, or one running back, one tight end. If it's 12 personnel, it's one running back, two tight ends. And that's sort of the delineation point. 11 and 12 is what Michigan State spends most of its time in. You know, 12 is more heavy, 11 is more spread pretty simple. So they're in 11 or more spread 70.5% of the time. They were in 12 or heavier 29.5% of the time. And even still, some of those 12 personnel formations are a little bit more spread out than previous ones. You would go into a Michigan State game, they would be in 21, two running backs, a tight end, 22, two running backs, two tight ends, a lot, 15, 20 times a game, uh, at least, sometimes more. Go back five, six, seven years, half the game they spent in heavy personnel with multiple running backs. Um, they had us snap this game with multiple running backs, and I didn't even mark it that way because Connor Hayward was playing in the slot. Um, and yeah, technically it was two running backs, but he was a, a tight end slash slot receiver uh, in that specific instance. So 70.5% of the time they're running spread formations, 29.5% running heavier formations. They were truly only heavy in this game like four times. They had the, the triple I, uh, they were heavy. They were double tight under center once, and they had a couple other double tight formations. You know, Matt Dotson is flexed out a lot in this offense. Um, Trenton Gillison, snaps went way up this game. He's going to be flexed out a lot. He was in line a bit, but he was also flexed out at times. This is a spread team. It is absolutely 100% a spread offense. It has changed. Uh, whether it snuck up on you quickly or you've been noticing the slight building towards this, um, it's changed. And I wouldn't anticipate it going back, um, not just because of the results, because it's the appropriate process, the appropriate way to go about business for this team. And I will talk about why in just a couple of minutes. How's that for a nice little professional segue? But first, a word from Vivid Seats. Guys, Arizona State coming to Spartan Stadium this weekend. If you want to watch Michigan State take on the Sun Devils, hopefully get revenge on Herm Edwards and them boys uh, after Michigan State went out to Tempe last year and just botched their way to a, a loss at the hands of Arizona State and really set the table for the rest of the season, uh, if you want to watch that, if you want to Michigan State, see this Michigan State offense take on a really good defense, that's what Arizona State brings to the table, then you need to get to Vivid Seats. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for the seats in the specific section and row of your choice, all in the easy-to-use Vivid Seats app. And to make things even better, because we know Vivid Seats loves making things better, they now have a new loyalty program. It's called Vivid Seats Rewards. 
You go to the App Store, Google Play, you download the Vivid Seats app, and you will automatically be enrolled into the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. And once you do that, you start buying tickets and you will earn credit back on your purchases to put towards future ticket purchases. It is just a great loyalty program. Keep you coming back and back and back again to keep using Vivid Seats. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee from the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater tickets and more. Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program today. Enter promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That is promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Okay, so... Michigan State, running more spread, running more out of shotgun, running more out of pistol, just using those formations more, using more spread formations, more spread personnel. How does that work? How does that mesh with this team? Why is that the appropriate way for them to go? I told you last week how they had success running the ball out of zone, how they had success running the ball out of spread personnel. And it was, you know, small sample size, sure. One game, but the running backs uh, in heavier formations, the running backs in power runs, it, they just didn't bode well against Tulsa. They had two yards of carry somewhere around there. Whereas out of spread, out of zone, you know, they're up above three and a half, almost four, uh, even five if it was zone out of spread formation. So like specific plays, they were running really well. And, you know, there's a number of reasons why it works. Um you know, spread is the uh, zone is a little bit easier to run for uh, an, a line. It's, you know, less about being physically dominant and more about being all around athletic and smart. You can leverage guys, you can get around people, you can use your feet better and get your hands in a good spot and just win a block with good positioning. And uh, you're running back, you're kind of working in tandem with your running back. If you have a running back who is capable of running in a zone scheme, you know, it's almost like every single play can be well blocked. You just kind of got to create a crease somewhere. And if you're spreading teams out, just think of it, visualize it. A defense is spreading out further away from the ball at the snap. The offensive line is moving into a direction. You're moving into space with more space, creating more space for a running back. Like it just opens things up. It makes blocks easier to get to, makes creases bigger, turns creases into holes, and it allows uh, someone like an Eli Collins, and we saw it this week, find the find the lane, put the foot in the ground, work through it, and get into the second level. So some of it is that. It's a little bit easier uh, to run zone schemes. Also, there's the capabilities built off a zone scheme, I think, far outnumber what you can do in a gap scheme, in a power scheme. Like You can run a million different power plays, but they're kind of all that play and its counter, there's stuff you can do to build off of that. But I just, I really like the inside zone, the outside zone, their respective counters off all the different looks you can give. And then the way you can option off it with quarterback run and with run pass option, all the different things you can do. And we really saw good examples of all of that in this game, that first touchdown pass to Dotson was a thing of beauty built off, you know, inside zone run pass option. And I just like the capabilities more of a zone blocking scheme in terms of a run game. I think there's more capabilities and it's just 
it's really flexible too. You can mold it against different teams, different fronts, and make it work in different scenarios. So that's another thing. And I think just the talent on the roster matches up with that. I think the you got a pretty good group of athletes on the offensive line. They kind of move well. It's almost like five guards, right? Michigan State has a lot of guys who kind of profile as guards, uh, and they're all kind of movers. They're good athletes for that spot. They move side to side well. They can get around bigger defensive linemen. They can get their hands on smaller defensive linemen and move them physically. And so it's just kind of an appropriate scheme for them. And then you look at the skill talent with a guy like Eli Collins. It's the the scheme he he should be running in for sure. Brian Lewerke was made to run a dual threat spread option as a you know zone principal quarterback. It's just it makes sense. And we've seen that borne out through the results. Michigan State ran 26 times with their starters in. They ran 19 zone plays and 7 power plays. Some of them are kind of in between. um, And I just use my judgment to delineate what is what. 73% zone, 27% power. On the zone runs, 19 runs for 187 yards. That is 9.84 yards per carry. All the big runs in this game, uh, save for one run, were zone runs. Um, That is massive. (laughs) I don't need to tell you that 9.84 yards per carry is absolutely massive. The the seven power runs went for 2.55 yards per carry. Uh, If you get rid of the goal to go ones, the touchdown runs that had to stop at the goal line, it's like 2.85, so almost three. Uh, and again, they didn't do a lot of it. Some of it was, you know, about half of their power runs were situational. And that is an appropriate use of power running for this team. That's what I talk, what I'm talking about when I say things like they called plays that matched their skill set, that highlighted the skills of the players on the field, and it made sense. It was appropriate play calling. They ran their first unit is a zone scheme. They get down second and goal from the two. You bring in an offensive lineman at fullback. You run freaking 23 personnel. You're stacked in there in the triple I and you mash it into the other team and your 230 pound goal line back, which is what Ladarius Jefferson needs to be for this team, at least right now. He can catch it and do some things out of the backfield too, but he's, he's six foot one, 230, six, two, 230. He's a big dude. And in that situation where he can run behind his pads, plow into the line, jump over the line, dart outside real quick, that sort of at the goal, get me two, like Ladarius Jefferson's going to get you two. That's an appropriate use of power personnel, power running situation, and it worked. And that's what I talk about. That's what I mean when I'm talking about calling appropriate football plays. And we need to credit Brad Salem for this because it's something that I was clamoring for. The zone runs are working. The spread running is working. Run more zone. Run more spread runs. Um, They ran zone uh, plays out of 11 personnel 10 times, which is a jump from five, I think, last week. They got 80 yards on those 10 runs. It's eight yards a carry. Spread them out. Run the ball. Eli uh, Collins' first big run of the game was out of shotgun. Shotgun, 11 personnel, quad formation. So uh, Dotson was lined up as a split 
Uh, he was on the line of scrimmage, split out wide as a receiver on the right side. They had trips to the left, overloaded on the left. They ran zone back to the right. It's kind of like a zone inside zone counter where you run away from the strength. They had six guys in the box. The play was a huge success before they even snapped the ball. Eli Collins threw the line easy into the second level untouched. Makes a guy uh, take a poor angle because he's shifty and quick, and he bursts for 29 yards. Just smart offense. It's just smart football. Uh, and it's good to know that Michigan State has the capability to do that. They're going to have to get better at some things. They're going to have to polish some stuff up because they're about to take on two great defenses back-to-back. But there's enough here. They've put enough on film to make you look at that and go, okay, there's some horsepower in this engine. There's some juice in this offense. They're not going to score 50 every game. They're not going to score 40 every game, but they look like they can line up against a team like Arizona State and score 35 on them, score 31 on them. And to do that is winning. That's winning football. They jumped from 115th to 67th in SP plus offense, which is offensive efficiency measuring. That's massive. If they can put together a game and score 31, score 34, score 35, Against Arizona State, they're going to jump into the top 40. Arizona State's the number seven SP plus defense. Michigan State has enough to give them issues to score enough points. And if they're scoring into the 30s, high 20s and 30s every game, they're going to they're going to beat everyone. They're going to have a game, two games, where they're really going to have to fight and try to scrap out a win. And that's very exciting. Again, they have to do it. They have to continue to do this. They have to prove it against better defenses. But it's a great first step. And we should commend them for that and look forward to it continuing, continuing to grow, continuing to evolve the offense in the weeks to come. All right, let's uh, hold tight here. What am I doing? I got to look to my notes. I get going. I get into this stuff. And I'm like, wait, where am I? Uh, Matt Hepner's coming up here in just a minute. Film room talk, uh, Matt joins us every week to talk about some specific plays, why they worked, and you know what it means. And usually, not usually, last year, it was really sad. This year, it's started off a little bit less sad. So we'll do that here in just a minute. Uh, with Vivid Seats, make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Sign up now for Vivid Seats. Download the app, Google Play, App Store, and you'll be automatically enrolled into the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Enter promo code KICKOFF100 at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. That is promo code KICKOFF100 to receive a discount of up to $100. All right. Happy to be joined now by Matt Hepner of The Only Colors. Uh, you guys who have been listening to the show uh, the last year or so know Matt from coming on last year and doing the film room study with us. And it was just horrible and disappointing. Not that you were horrible, Matt. The things we had to talk about were just really horrible and sad and depressing and no offense. And now Matt rejoins the show to talk about his film room piece for the only colors. And Matt, we have something fun to talk about for the first time in a long time. Hooray. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, it's more of like a relief almost at this point, isn't it? You're like, Finally. Yeah, it is. And it's, I got to tell you, I, 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 I quasi called it on Twitter before the game started. I, I said, you know, because everyone was, had, had a, an opinion about the jerseys. And I said, 
look, they're either going to lose and the jerseys will be banished forever, or they're going to just come to life, score 50 points, and they'll be beloved. So we got the latter, (laughs) and that's probably the better option. For all of our sake, you know, I can get over the uniforms. I've been on, I'm I'm on team, they're so ugly, they're good. Kind of like I've been saying, they're French bulldog uniforms. So that's the that's the opinion that I'm sticking with with these, and it's hard to uh, go against them when they uh, are on the team when they score 51 points. But let's jump into uh, your film room piece here. You start off with uh, Eli Collins, which is pretty good place to start, I would think. Um, what are the plays that you showed here, and just kind of your impressions of what Eli Collins did that was different than maybe what Hayward did or what Ladarius Jefferson's able to do with the ball? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously Collins had, you know, breakout game was pretty much, I mean, I, I maybe the story of the game offensively was, you know, what he was able to do out of the backfield. And, you know, uh, the, I, you know the two plays I looked at were uh, the big run he had uh, setting up the first touchdown drive, um, went for 29 yards and, you know, just – Nice, nice zone everything play, right? You spread them out, mm-hmm. put yourself in a favorable uh, situation with your your blocking, where you're not, you know, going up against a stack box. You you get you get a release from from the center to take out the uh, a linebacker who's you know supposed to fill the gap, and Collins is off to the races. And uh, you know a similar play in the second half that we looked at where he uh, busted a big one, almost went to the house from, uh, it was almost a 70-yarder, but same thing where, you know, he got a good, you know, the blocking was set up the right way and you've got faith and that that's the second play at Dotson pulling into the gap to take out the linebacker in the second level and Collins, the, the thing that he did differently this game that I think than what you've seen from, some of the other guys is just he's got more natural running back of vision yeah and he was able to, to hit the spots right he was patient with that vision you know not 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 like in the old you know Le'Veon Bell where like he literally looks like he's like standing there waiting for blocking to happen but he was patient within the run found the spots read the blocking right great vision and his burst is I mean something that we've been looking for from Michigan State back for a couple of years now. Yeah, absolutely. Like he maneuvers in and out of track traffic with like just subtle movements really well. And that's something that, you know, he was able to find space and just kind of zigzag his way through defenders. And then on that long run, I just love it. Like breaks a tackle and then does the pancake breaking of a tackle where he's hit on the same on opposite sides at the same time, just busts through it and like yeah, he, he. You can finally, you can tell that it's finally a running back playing running back, where it's been athletes trying to convert to running back for the last year, um, and that's a, a noticeable difference. And I look forward to seeing him moving forward. And that builds perfectly into your next thing, which is play action. Uh, you picked Daryl Stewart's long touchdown here, which looks, you know, kind of like just a total coverage bust. But Michigan State did some things schematically there to help get Daryl Stewart that wide open. What did you see on that play? Well, the interesting thing about that play and doing it right after, as I was watching, you know, rewatching some of the highlights and the chunks of the game and 
and going through and you say, well, how is he that wide open? Well, when, when you read the piece and you, and you look at the first running play that we broke down, the, the, the play to Stewart, it's not the exact same formation, but they're at almost the exact same spot on the field. Mm-hmm. First down, just like it was with, uh, with the, the Collins run. They're spread out. Now, before they had four wide, and this one they have three wide, but all to the same side. And then they've got, you know, the one tight end um, to the top of the formation on the uh, far side of the formation from where the receivers are. And it looks like they're going to run the same play that they got, that they busted the big one for earlier in the game. And they, they fake it just like that. And as a result, sucks everybody in just mm-hmm. enough. And Stewart's able to make a nice cut and go and find, you know, his, his, his route takes him into the vacated area. And the thing that's interesting about that is, you know, you can see when you when you slow it down and then look at it, you know, you see everybody bite in on it, and the safety bites in on that far side of the field, and after that, it's just gone. He's able to, Stewart's able to get open, which is something that we finally saw Michigan State receivers doing, getting open and finding space. Lewerke hits him, and then you just see all the guys who were who bit early trying to run back and catch up just like a train of white jerseys trying to catch up, but it's way too late and he's, yeah. he's in. And, and that play is a direct result of being able to be successful in the run game earlier in that exact same spot. Yeah. And it's, it's almost like a group of little kids, like watching little kid football where they're all like just trained on the ball. And it's just like a, a, a train of little people running around trying to find the ball, wherever it is running. It's like, that's what it looks like when they realize, Oh crap, there's a line of four Broncos 10 yards behind Stewart all running together. Like what the hell just happened? Um, last thing here that we're going to take a look at is some red zone stuff uh, that you went through. Um, you go through some of the touchdowns here, the, the pass to Cody white, Uh, and the RPO. I want to talk about the RPO because it's something that we've seen a little bit. Uh, Saw, I think, a couple of them against Tulsa. They weren't done very well, and then we saw two great ones um, against Western. The first one was for the touchdown, so walk us through kind of what you saw with that uh, RPO and why it ended up working so well. Yeah, well, it it was, you know, it's one of these plays where, you know, like you said, you got a lot of different options there. (laughs) You could have you know, he, he had a couple of different options that he could have run or passed, really. And, you know, you spread them out, and that's been a theme that seems to be working mm-hmm. what we've been uh, going through here. And that if you watch the game, you saw, you know, you spread them out, and then you create matchups. And and this one, you get dots and just leaks out. And... uh He's wide open because everybody bites in on the run. And Lewerke, you know, even Lewerke could have taken that if the play had gone a little bit differently. You know, if if the end drops off into coverage instead of coming in off the the, uh, edge, Lewerke's rolling out that way. If nobody's there, he might just take it himself. As it is, Dotson's all on by himself. So, it, it there's... There were a lot of good things they did there, and uh, there was a lot of lot of lot of that all over the field. Really, I mean, it wasn't mm-hmm. just it wasn't just there. I mean, and the the other red zone play too was. I mean, it was out of a more bunch formation, but there was a 
there were multiple options, and there was chances for Lewerke to run it, throw it to two different guys, or throw it away. So I, it it just all seemed to make more sense. And I, I, I think I said this in the piece. I'm not sure. I'm pretty sure about this. But the first four trips into the red zone were touchdowns. Mm-hmm. When was the last time we said that? <laughs> I don't probably never, honestly. Maybe like Youngstown State uh in like twenty thirteen or something like that when they scored fifty something against a really bad team. Yeah. They uh, the couple in the third quarter were um a little annoying, but they started off in the red zone. Absolutely perfect. All right, Matt. Uh thanks so much for the time. You can read Matt's work uh at the only colors. He does uh film room, which is up right now, and then you do do you do special teams breakdown? Remind me of the other things you do during the week there. Yeah, uh so like Wednesday I'll have the you know, get to know your opponent piece, which, you know, gives kind of a break a quick breakdown of, of whoever we're playing the next week's, you know, stats, overall stats and some mm-hmm. players to watch. So you kinda of use that as a primer. And then uh yeah, and then Thursday will be the uh the special teams breakdown. So cool. Yeah. All right. Definitely check out his work there. Matt Hapner of the Only Colors. Matt, thanks so much for the time and we will uh catch up with you next week. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Thanks again to Matt for joining the show. I always appreciate talking football with him. Next week, I think we'll talk more about specifics of you know what the offense is trying to do and how they're going about doing it and what the sort of purpose is behind some of these plays. So good stuff there. Look forward to Matt joining us throughout the season. That is going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening to Locked on Spartans. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Will underscore underscore Hunter, one L, two underscores. Uh, I've been tweeting out a bunch of different stats and things and went back and watched some of the Arizona State game. And I'll have a piece out later this week, SpartansWire.USAToday.com. It'll be out tomorrow, just breaking down a bunch of stuff from the game uh, in the film room type stuff with gifts and all that fun stuff. So I'll be doing that. Um And yeah, we'll continue with discussion about Michigan State's offense tomorrow. I want to talk about the running back group because I think there's some real delineation going on there. Some roles are being established. I want to talk about the offensive line. And I want to talk about Brad Salem and play calling and why I think he took a huge step from week one and week two. And if I can fit something in about Brian Lewerke, I'm going to do that too because uh, he looked like a pro uh, Saturday night. It's been a while since he's looked like that, but he looked like a professional quarterback with an NFL future. And that was really nice to see. So we'll do that starting tomorrow. And then we will uh, start preparing for Arizona state. Talk to you about the three, three, five defense, how they play defense, what they're trying to do and what they uh, bring to the table offensively. Got a true freshman quarterback that uh, there in Arizona state. So it could get interesting. So looking forward to the uh, rest of the week with all these shows we got coming every single day here on locked on Spartans. Rate, review, subscribe, rate, review, subscribe, rate, review, subscribe. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Thanks so much for listening. Back tomorrow. We will see you then.